Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, a tale of awakening to your true soul nature, spiritual communication, healing energy, miracles and intuition. And today I welcome Nan S. Russell, author of It's Not About Time, How to Thrive and Get the Results You Want at Work and in Life. Hello, Nan, and thank you for joining us on Healing from Within. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Cheryl. It's a pleasure. Wonderful. Nan, as listeners of Healing from Within are very well aware, my guests and I explore the metaphysical nature of life in hopes of truly beginning a self-investigative process into our true potential as both spiritual energetic souls and physical beings who can learn to manage our emotional landscape and find health, happiness, and purposefulness in our life journey. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Nan S. Russell is also the author of The Titleless Leader, Trust Incorporated, and Hitting Your Stride, and is known for her practical insights and workplace wisdom grounded in real-life experiences. Nan rose from a minimum-wage employee to vice president of a multi-billion dollar company. Today, we will look for ways not for better time management, but rather reflective and integrated awareness from the inside out for self-management and self-growth. Nan, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and remember a friend, relative, event, or place that was meaningful to them. And if anything is still important and a part of their values, work, and lifestyle right now. I guess I would say, that's an interesting question. Um, there's a lot. But the, the, one of the things that always has stood out for me in my life is my very first memory um, as a child, I was probably three and a half to four, and I was being held by my mother, watching my father run back into our house, which was burning down. Ooh, wow. And it was the beginning of a very interesting, like, year for our family. We had just moved, and all of our belongings were in the house. We got out with our life. And my we had moved to California because my brother was very ill, and my father was unemployed. We didn't have a car. We didn't have furniture. We slept on a mattress. And my first day of school, um, I had one dress. My first day of school, um, I spilled black paint all over it. Mm, yeah. And it was it was out of that whole thing, I think, that helped me really understand, first off, that life happens to all of us. And we have to figure out how to get through it and persist and connect with ourselves and really have some kind of trust in who we are in order to make that happen. And so so that's kind of, I guess, part of my fabric. Yeah, so uh, what you learn very quickly and what is the truth is life is not perfect, no one is perfect, and we don't have to be. We just have to do the best we can, accept our challenges, and move through it because everything comes and goes, as you learned. And many of the guests on my show have had very challenging beginnings, 
uh, as children, and I think it's because they needed to experience all this so that they could become the writers, the healers, the teachers, and, and everything they're doing now to send out energy into the world in a very positive way. And you can't do that uh, if nothing happens. <laughs> so so yeah. all these happenings yeah. are purposeful. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say here. Let's fast forward. Please, Nan, tell us something about your adult work life and becoming interested in a more spiritual approach to managing and improving life. Well, I, I've gone through, you know, like most people, I think a, a lot of metamorphosis in, in both my work and in terms of kind of reconnecting in my life. And, and I'm sort of in what I consider to be my second act. My first act was what you described, which was a very corporate kind of environment. But my husband and I always, when we fell in love in graduate school, we, we knew but by the time we were 50, we wanted to be living in the wilderness or at least in the mountains, and we wanted to, to do something else. And I was very called to, to write, and that's really what I wanted to do. So we kind of put together this 25-year plan of getting um, to Montana, and now we're in Colorado, um, to do that. And so my this second act of my life is about giving back. It's about hopefully nudging people in different ways um, to, you know, all of us help kind of make the world a little bit better. And so that's my passion. And that has always been my passion. I've just done it in traditional ways and now, you know, in slightly different ways. Thank you. That's a wonderful thought. And you're living the life you were born to live and uh, being productive and being helpful and enjoying it at the same time. Now, you had a quote from Roger Ebert, and he wrote, uh, We must try to contribute joy to the world. Uh, that is true no matter what our problems, our health, our circumstances. We must try. I didn't always know this, and I'm happy I lived long enough to find it out. So that's what we were talking about a little bit from uh, the childhood you described. And you wrote, Nan, in regard to this, like a treasure unearthed, when I find a quotation that speaks to me like the one that we just read, I want to savor it frequently. This one was added to my collection after the 2013 death of Pulitzer Prize winner and acclaimed film critic Roger Ebert, whose cancer battle left him unable to speak for the last few years. While reading about his life, I found these words humbling. They were written by Ebert after more than a decade with debilitating and disfiguring health issues. It's not hard to contribute a bit of joy each day, acknowledging others' contributions, holding the door, smiling at a stranger, being there for family or friends, helping a neighbor, or telling someone how much we care. Still, we often don't. We get caught in life's swirl, our own busyness, drama, and troubles, absorbed in our own stuff, spending, not investing our time. Ebert's life and words reframed that for me. How many days do we have in a life, in the big scheme of things, to contribute joy, to see beyond our little world, to make a difference in someone's life? Beautifully, beautifully said. And I think, uh, you know, when you get to be a certain age, 
you know, I have some soul maturity and wisdom, and giving back is a joy. It's just, it's a joy that we have been able to learn and move through our own challenges. So what made you decide to write a book, It's Not About Time? Well, you know, it's one of those things that um, I think the craziness of both my own life but of the people around me sort of kind of wearing this uh, badge of busyness as as a, a, a way to say you're important. So the busier you are, it's becoming like, oh, this says that I'm a real important person. And what I I started to realize is that for the most part, oftentimes we're not aligning our time use with what we value or who we are or what really matters to us. And when you start to, as you said, age and get a perspective about time as life's currency, it seemed to me like it was one of these things that we needed to reflect on because there's never going to be enough time. We live in a world where it's 24-7, there's all this stuff coming to us, the world has changed, and we now have to choose differently. And so I kind of wanted to be a nudge about that and have people look at their own choices and say, hey, is that really what I want to do? with who I am and what I value in my life and the people that I care about. Yeah, you you say lack of time is just a symptom. Busyness is a symptom. Maybe it's a fear. Maybe it's running away from mm, something you don't want to confront or some uh, emotion or lack of self-esteem that you have that you don't think you can do something when actually you've never tried it, so you don't know if you can do it or not. So all these things play into the way you'll hear many people say, oh, I don't have enough time in the day. Oh, I'm going to wait five years before I write this book. Or, you know, they're just putting off or procrastinating because they haven't dealt with some of the other true issues of what their life could be about. They're thinking about what their life is and how it's limited and perhaps the fears of their childhood or environment. But really, anyone can self-manage. Now, let's get on to that a little bit because uh, we want our listeners to know self-managing skills are very possible for everyone. So what do they have to begin to do? Well, you know, self-managing is like, like it isn't very sexy sounding for people, but when we think about this concept of choice, about how we want to use our time, there's that big choice that says, do you want to be, you know, a passenger or a driver in your own life? Do you want to just let things come at you, or do you want to live from the inside out? And it's sort of what you were talking about in in your intro. When you self-manage and you are making those kinds of conscious choices about how you use your time, then your alignment is different and the way in which you see the world is different and you have more control um, over how those outcomes happen for you because you're actually um, not only thinking about them but living them in a different way. Yeah, so it might be like this. Maybe some people are really not aware of who they are and their true potential and ability to shine and thrive. It's like a lack of self-investigative awareness. Or maybe they don't know that they're more than their physical being and have an inner life. Uh, You were just talking about living from the outside. Uh, But they're forgetting we're connected, and we're, we're connected by energy. 
and uh, soul life to each other and to the universe. And perhaps this stops them from realizing just what they're, you know, what they're capable of. So uh, we are and become what we think. And in regard to this, uh, in my book, The Living Spirit, I wrote, regardless of what other people expect of you or challenge you with, you might remember the two simple words uttered thousands of years ago which continue to provide us with guidance. Know thyself. Numerous sages such as Pythagoras and Socrates proclaimed that self-awareness is the most valuable of all human qualities because it informs our life choices and decisions in education, careers, and relationships. It is the defining force of a life worth living. And I believe you're trying to show people that also, that they have so much ability to... Yes, I, I, that's. I mean, I, it's definitely true. I mean, I, I agree with what you were were saying, um, and I think that it's a very hard time in the nature of the world right now because so much is to project outward. Like we are reinforcing people with everything from social media to the celebrity cultures to the you know trying the attention economy, um, and so for people to pause for a moment to do just what you said is is not something that feels comfortable. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable to say, uh, you know, there are 50 people around me who are thinking this way, and I may be the only one suggesting or wanting to live and throw my positive energy into the mix. But you can do it, and it helps you, and it helps everybody. Uh, Only 20% of the people on the planet out of maybe seven and a half billion are interested in these spiritual or metaphysical um, ways of looking at life. And yet they do so much good in shifting the energy from the negativity that we're embroiled in right now. Right now the whole world is, uh, is flamed up, fired up. And we, as people who have learned what we're talking about here, wish to share it with as many as we can because we we want people to know that the love and passions and work they has, have is unique. Each person is unique, right? So we can't expect to live our life following someone else's plan or pattern, right? And that's what right, you exactly. show us in, in, in time management or understanding time. And uh, you, you devote an entire chapter to myths and truths about time. And one myth that you say is we're working longer hours than ever before. Why is that a myth? Well, we, we think we're so busy, you know. And one of the things that if when you really look at what's occurred over the last few decades with all the technology that we have and all the efficiencies that we have, we actually work a lot less than people did uh you know, a century ago, even like 50 years ago. Right now the average work week is about 47 hours a week for most people. Um, and that sounds like a long time, but it used to be about 70 hours right. for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a huge difference. You know, we don't have to make our own clothes and, and grow our own right. food. Um, but the, the real issue and the new research on a lot of this that I, I think um, – is important is that it isn't so much the hours that you work, 
It's how engaged you are in the work that you do. So someone who works, you know, 47, 50 hours, whatever they're working in their life, they're choosing to do, if they're engaged in that work, they have a higher well-being than someone who works a whole lot less but is not engaged or, or really disconnected with the work that they're doing. Yeah, people always told us if you want to be successful, find something that you love. Something right. that you're passionate, something that feeds your inner being, and you'll have joy. It won't seem like work even if you're doing it 70 hours a day because you will be learning, sharing, and growing from it. Now, some people say we have a time problem, but not the one many people think. We want to manage time, control it, spend it, waste it, make it, measure it, and maybe invest it, uh, but what do you say about time, present, past, and future <laughs> orientation? Well, well, we certainly have different orientations to time, so that that's one thing that gets in our way. But because there is so much coming at us in this age of constancy and connectiveness, the, the problem we really have is a choice problem because we will never have enough time to do all the wonderful things that are out there to do. And... Yeah. So that that really becomes the challenge for all of us. Yeah. You know, I uh, I am a Reiki master teacher and energy practitioner. And sometimes uh, when I, after a session, I ask a person, I have this little gift somebody gave me many years ago, and it's a little package of little cards. And you open it up and it says, time is very precious. I get this one a lot. Time is very precious, and so we must value it moment to moment. And that goes back to living in the present moment, not worrying about the past or the future, because the past, if you worry about it, you're going to perhaps have sadness and take yourself into a negative emotion. And if you worry about the future, you're going to be anxious. But if you accept time as it is, perfect in every moment and every experience we have it's a much better reality now you also talk about the myth of balance what is that about well i i think that a lot of people think that it's possible to um have someone give them balance that if it were just you know, the government or the their employer or mm. their family that supported what it is that they wanted to do, that they could create balance in their life. And and the the real understanding about balance for people who self-manage and, and really want to create and thrive in life is that, you know, it's not something someone can give you. It's something you do for yourself. And balance has a different definition for each of us, and, and oftentimes it's associated with where we might be in our life or what might be happening in our life, but our, our need for it and how we would define it for ourselves is exactly that. It's for ourselves, and we have to create that um, that yeah, balance and choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like balance is also what I talk about, personal power. That your inner soul wisdom or intuition. And I always tell people, you know, no one can take it away from you unless you give it away. And balance is much the same way. Uh, for those who view their work as separate from their life, or their family as separate from their life, or, or, or their, uh, you know, free time as separate, instead of being part of it, 
balance will remain elusive. Absolutely. You, you said something to that effect, and it, and it is the truth. Because nothing's really separate from each other. Everything is interconnected, and we are multidimensional beings connected by energy, thought, action, and everything uh, that we produce is retained. Energy can't be destroyed, and every thought we have is energy. Now, there's another uh, time myth that you may want to mention. I liked it very much. This is the myth of choice uh, that more equates to better, and I see so many people living according to this <laughs> lifestyle. Yes, I, can, I know. Uh, they're just drowning in their... Um, how could I say materialism? So say yes. something about this, please. Yeah, so there's definitely that element of more is is better, more is the goal. People want, you know, the more stuff you get, obviously, the the, the more successful people equate themselves with. And But it, it goes beyond even that. It's that we think and want, or we think we want, um, lots of choices out there. And the problem with lots of choices is it uses just what you said, all that energy for things that aren't very important. Yes. You know, if you go to the grocery store and there are 30 kinds of shampoo and it takes you 20 minutes to figure out what you need, that 20 minutes could be used in a very different way. Um, and we now have this understanding through a lot of different people and research the, the more we don't invest energy and time in things that aren't important to us, the more time and energy we have for the things that are. Right, and we'll be healthier also. So <laughs> That too. <laughs> yes, so those who self-manage look for less, not more. And you had a very good quote about this by Laura Ingalls Wilder. I am beginning to learn that it is the sweet, simple things of life which are the real ones, after all. Another quote that I, I like very much. So there are several skills you talk about that self-managing people use. And one of these skills is something you call nibbling. Now, that sounds funny. It sounds like an eating disorder. But, I know, I but, know. But, it, but when, when we ch check the definition of nibbling, we see that it does relate to time and how we use and grow our interest in what's important in our inner life. Uh, so tell us something about nibbling, please. So, so nibbling is, if nothing else, I think one of the most uh, important things I would like for your listeners to, to consider, and that is that you can nibble anything. You can nibble a life dream, which my husband and I did. I, you can nibble a book. You can, you can nibble. We do it all the time. If you think about um, doing your taxes um, or you think about doing Thanksgiving dinner, we do those things oftentimes in, in small little bits. Um, you know, 10 minutes here, 20 minutes here, we do very simple kinds of tasks to bring it all together. But people who self-manage actually think in nibbles. So, for example, if you um, – a lot of people, when they have 15 minutes extra, uh, are going to do something on Facebook or check their email. But someone who self-manages will probably use that 15 minutes to take some specific short little um, task and make it happen. Maybe it's calling and scheduling a, a doctor's appointment. I actually moved from Montana to Colorado um, and finished my last book all by nibbling. 
and I packed in 30-minute increments and sorted years' worth of stuff in 30-minute breaks. Um, and that's what nibbling is. It's just moving things forward in little time increments, and you can do anything that way. And I would say I've been doing it all my life. But exactly, you I have. Didn't, I didn't know I was doing it. It's like I've had uh, seven, eight uh, careers. I started as a teacher, and then I studied interior design, and I managed a furniture showroom, and uh, and then I uh, went back to teaching. And then I became interested in healing work. I became a Reiki master teacher and an author of two books, and I have a third one. And uh, it was never about time. <laughs> it was right. about right. the fact that every time I became interested in something new, I put my whole heart and dedication, consistency, and effort uh, into becoming uh, proficient. And I loved it, and and I loved everything I have done. So I'm going to say to our listeners, prioritize, stay calm and focused, breathe, <laughs> and then use whatever spiritual practice is available, yoga, meditation, listening to music to relax, refocus, regenerate. And then, as my mother told me a long time ago, just do the best you can, and it will be enough. You know, some people spend an entire life in one career, you know, 40 years, 45 years. And that's okay if that's what they love doing. But many people nowadays are moving through many interests and uh, enjoying it more, right? Instead of being told what to do or what other people expect of them, you can still earn a living and you can still have your hobbies and your interests and do good with that for yourself and for others in the world. So, yeah, I would like to say that's a wonderful thing. Thank you for nibbling. And, I, <laughs> and now I know what I was doing. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. So, oh, you have a quote actually from that uh, about that in doing more of what you want as you offer tips how to use your uh your day, your week, your year. And one of the, t the quotes you gave was, the only way to do great work is to love what you do. And Steve Jobs said, find something you love to do and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Right? That's what we were just talking about. So it's a, yes. it's a wonderful I, thing. It is, absolutely. And I think people are trying to, to move in that direction and, and let's hope we nudge them a little bit more that way. They are, and they will. And I guess it's the way of the soul evolving and becoming more aware of a higher consciousness that we're not just the body and we're not just, you know, this small time in this life. We are so, so very much more. So I want to thank you, Nan S. Russell, author of It's Not About Time, sharing with readers a look at ways to truly value yourself, life, and the time given to us in a world filled with possibilities for either procrastination or for making choices and experiencing as much of life as you can without judgment and learning new skills to empower and enhance our already unique abilities to manage our time and our talents and live a purposeful and prosperous life. To purchase this this book, go to nanrussell.com or amazon.com. 
In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, you and we have taken time out of our busy schedule to illuminate that light within us that hopes and seeks the goodness of ourselves and our life in order to make the choices to pursue what delights and engages our mind, body, and spirit. Nan wrote, We fool ourselves into believing that not pursuing our dreams or what we want is about time. We simply don't have enough. What it's really about is choice and grit. We need grit no matter what life forks we take. Angela Duckworth, professor of psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, studies grit and defines it as passion and perseverance for long-term goals. It's what keeps us going when everything else makes it seem easier to give up. If you had more time, would your dreams happen if you had more time? If you had an extra three hours a week, what would you do with it? How would you invest your newly found 156 hours a year, almost four full-time weeks? Nan and I would have you reflect on your own needs, not the expectations of others or the beliefs of your childhood, many of which are no longer relevant to life as we are living today. Discover a sense of self and your needs, not wants, and begin to proceed to enjoy more of what is beneficial to your inner sense of spiritual growth. And that energy will go out into the world, bringing greater fulfillment to you and others, and you will be using the gift of life and time as it is precious and moment by moment. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of Healing from Within, and invite you to visit my website, CherylGlick.com, to listen to and to read about energy healing, mediumship, metaphysics, and conscious leaders in the fields of psychology, science, spiritualism, education, the arts, and music. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you for listening.